hey there, everybody. Welcome to the weekly live stream. Uh, we're going to have a fun conversation tonight talking about Jehovah's Witnesses. You know, I wasn't thinking that they were showing up to very many people's houses, and I thought, you know, why not now uh, start preparing, yeah. getting ready for when they start to show up? But I found out that my guest who's coming on with me, Tim Barnett, he just posted like today that Jehovah's Witnesses dropped a letter off at his house. So joining me to have this fun conversation about what Jehovah's Witnesses believe, how is it different than Christianity, how can we be prepared to have conversations when they show up at our door is my friend Tim Barnett. Tim, thanks for coming on. Dude, thanks for having me. Yeah. It's been, it's, I'm trying to think of the last time we were hanging out. Um, Buffalo Wild usually, Wings? Yeah, usually, <laughs> well, when I'm in California, I mean, there are certain people I like to, to chill with and, uh, it wasn't, I, I was so busy last time I was in California and, yeah. um, that was the, the week that Kobe Bryant's accident happened. Yeah, that's right. And so anyways, it just, I mean, it didn't work out that time, yeah. but I'm looking forward to my next trip to California. Yeah. We're doing wings again. It'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was so good. I mean, so yeah, Tim, if those of you who don't know Tim, Tim is living up in Canada, uh, born and raised there and is working yeah. with Stand to Reason, which is based here in Southern California. So he comes down from time to time. Um, yeah. So whenever he's in town, try to connect. And I remember texting you, be like, hey, are you free? And it was just a busy, crazy time because you also normally fly in just for the stuff you have to do and you want to get back to your family, which yeah. um, now, you know, you're, you got three girls, three girls, uh, eight, six and four. And so it's busy, man. We're doing the kind of online school right now because of the coronavirus yep. and uh, and teaching the girls. They actually just learned last week. All three of them um, learned to ride their bikes like two wheelers, no training wheels. Yeah, I saw that. So, video. yeah, yeah. It's I mean, even my four year old because we're we got nothing else to do. We just ride back and <laughs> forth on the street and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. So good. So, you know, obviously you, you also, uh, with your work as Standard Reason, is you're also very busy normally traveling and speaking um, all over the country, really, United States yeah. and Canada. Uh, that's kind of slowed down, but you've kind of picked up and you've been doing, you know, more live streams like a lot of people are doing with Standard Reason. But I also noticed uh, you're, you're doing a live stream with your wife. Um, yeah. You know, and I, and I think that's very interesting. And so maybe tell those watching, I know this is a little bit different than Jehovah's Witnesses, but yeah. you know, we're dealing with a lot of things right now. And one thing is, you know, keeping stable marriages where now maybe we're spending a lot more time with people than ever before. So that's right. as kind of a married pastor is one of your other roles, yeah. uh, what is it that you're kind of doing with your church and kind of, uh, you know, kind of marriage videos on marriages and things like that? Yeah, so um, I work full time with Standard Reason doing the apologist role, and uh, and then as a part time, I mean, I think it's so important that um, guys like you and me who are doing the apologetics thing also are um, in touch with our local church. Yeah. And so I, um, my wife and I are the the married pastors, and that means on on Wednesday nights we teach a class, and that's typically I can be home Wednesday nights, and when I'm not my wife uh, usually carries the ball. And uh, and so since we're home, we thought, you know what, let's do something um, that we think would benefit not, not only our church, but maybe the church at large. And, uh, and we started seeing articles coming out, especially from China, where um, there was a number of people getting out of quarantine and going straight to their divorce courts, yeah. you know? And, um, and there was just a, just, spike in divorce and uh and conflict and increased domestics you know you talk to police officers i have a uh, um some relatives who are are police officers and they said you know in our area there's been increased domestics and so i mean we need to um 
we need to be proactive, I think, yeah. about responding and and nurturing and protecting our marriage relationships. And so my wife and I said, hey, let's do this thing, marriage under quarantine, and we'll just pick topics each week uh, that we think will help marriages and give real practical advice. But of course, we're going to the Bible and and seeing what God's word says about these different issues. And so we've looked at being a hero in your house. We've looked at um, happiness and joy in your marriage, finding joy even in a time of hardship like like we're experiencing. Yeah. And then, you know, next week we're going to look specifically at conflict and how to fight well, you know. And so it's it's been a lot of fun to make these videos. I mean, I am not an expert in video stuff at all, <laughs> but I got iMovie on my computer and so we record this thing yeah. and then I have a bit of fun, you know, putting it together and so every Wednesday night um 7:30 Eastern Standard Time it, it it hits YouTube. Yeah, that's awesome. No, so cool. And, uh, you know, I, I've seen the, some of those and, you know, the date ideas that you guys are throwing out. And yeah, so yeah, I, that's you know, right. yeah, I appreciate that. The, the, we're doing the quarantine date night. Man. Yeah. And, and we've been doing it ourselves. You know, we um, we got the chocolate covered strawberries we made and we got, you know, a couple glasses of uh, I don't know if I should say, but, you know, something tasty to drink. And, then, <laughs> and, you know, we ended up watching a movie together and it was just really and we, you know, looked at some old pictures. I mean, it was just a real sweet time. Yeah. To, to spend together. Yeah, no, very cool. Yeah, so yeah, I would encourage that for those of you who are married and, you know, looking for some other, you know, kind of resources and ways to learn. You know, I think it's, what's interesting now is that like everyone is online. My goodness, I scroll through Facebook and it's just like video after video after video. And I'm like, man, it's so easy to get lost in this time. And yeah. so it is also good to know some people who, you know, are producing quality content that you know is going to be good. Stand Reason is doing that. Tim's doing that with these married things. And so definitely something for, for those watching to check out. Um, all right. Awesome. So our, our topic today, we're, we're looking at Jehovah's Witnesses and trying to get people ready. So when Jehovah's Witnesses come, you know, you mentioned that you had a uh, Jehovah's Witness um, drop off a letter. And actually, the comment just came in. I want to bring this up because this is great. The comment just came in. There's your letter. Yeah, right there. So they just left it on the doorstep, yeah. rang the doorbell. Walked yeah, away. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this comment just came in that uh, this person had a uh, Jehovah's Witness woman actually buzz the apartment unit and then talk about her beliefs through the intercom. No right. way. Yeah. Very interesting. And so, yeah, I mean, they're still out there. And so it is important for us. And, you know, I maybe it's just, you know, uh, you know, it's maybe it's just, um, kind of false ideas that are thrown around. But, you know, sometimes you have this this picture in your head that, you know, most people in the Jehovah's Witnesses knock on the door, they close their blinds, they act like they're not home. You know, and I definitely know that's true of some people. And I've talked to people who say they did that. And then the response yeah. is, you know, I don't know what to say. I, I, I don't really want to have that conversation. They always have something to say. And it's like, man, when they knock on my door, even when I was in like high school and college, I like just learned some stuff. I'm like, I want to talk. And you chased them down the street. Um, so obviously yeah. people are very different. So maybe starting off, why do you think some people might kind of have a fear of talking with Jehovah's Witnesses when that knock comes on their door? Uh, that's a, that's a really good question. You know, I'll just uh, speak from my own experience. You know, it was, uh, it was a while ago, but, um, they came knocking on my doors. I, I was in my twenties and, uh, and I answered the door, you know, pretty confident. I've been a Christian, um, my whole life. I mean, grew up in the church. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, they turned me in a matter of minutes into a theological pretzel. <laughs> like I was, I mean, I, I felt like my soul was bruised at the end of it. You know, I thought, you know, cause I, I knew Jesus was God, but I didn't have any clue how to defend it, yeah. you know? And they started talking about the Holy spirit being a force. And I thought, no, no, you guys, don't you read the Bible? And they're like, of course we do. And they're taking me to verses. 
right? And uh, and now it's even crazier because they don't just have their, you know, they used to bring these. This is the silver sword right here. It's yeah. a beautiful, you know, the way it's bound and everything and the pages. Um, and, but now they bring their iPads yeah. and they are jumping from verse to verse to verse. And you can see how you can't even keep up. You know, people who are in the know, I know pastors who get flustered. Um, when they come to the door. And I know we're going to talk about this, give you some real um, uh, strategies or tactics yeah. in, in you know, setting the ground rules and, and, and knowing how to engage these people. Because the reality is they have trained some of them for, um, you know, 30 hours that week to respond to your conversation and your objections. Yeah. So they, I mean, this is what... When it when when I get to talk to them and I've developed some friendships um, with some of these people and uh, one of the things I've I've told them is that I think it's amazing how much time you spend preparing for evangelism and yeah. I think it's an honorable thing I mean they really believe this is true and so they're going out and 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 I wish Christians would you know take God's word seriously study it so that they could do the same. Um, and so I think the reason there's fear is because some people have been beat up by these guys. Um, other times I think it's not fear, but it's just, uh, Christians, they don't have the sense of, to evangelize and to witness, and they don't have a compassionate heart. And so it's just like, get out of here, yeah. you know, leave me alone. And, and that ends up doing a whole lot more damage because, um, they're, they're coming to your door. Many of these people are very sweet, very sweet. Yeah. And I could tell you story after story. I mean, I've um, had them bring food to my house. House. I mean, my kids, you know, would hug these people. I've gone to their house. You know, I could tell, share the story where I knocked on their door and surprised them. Um, I said, you know what? You got my home address. I want your <laughs> home address. So, um, and, uh, and they probably wondered why... Why? And so anyways, they gave it to me. And so I, a few weeks later, I went and knocked on their door and we we had um, we had tea and it was great. Yeah. Um, and so you, we need to show compassion to these people and have a heart for them um, because they really are um, sweet human beings and made in the image of God. Yeah. And and so that means taking the time to know our stuff. So when they come to the door, we're ready to to have a good conversation. Yeah. You know, I think it's it. it with the great commission of making disciples, right? And we're called to evangelize and share Jesus with people. It doesn't get any easier than them coming yeah. to your door. You don't even have to leave most of the time, the comfort of your own home. They're willing to come to you and sit down and yeah. have conversations. You know, I had the same experience that, that you're talking about is when I was in the Dominican Republic, and this is always fun trying to do it in Spanish too. But, um, yeah. you know, I had a, I, I, they would come by, uh, our church was Sunday afternoon. And so they would come by every Sunday morning. Uh, and walk down my street. And so I had intentionally go eat breakfast out on my front porch because that was normal out there is you have your table and chairs out on the front porch. Sure. I'd intentionally eat my breakfast out on the front porch every Sunday morning. And so when they walked by, I'd see them, hey, and I developed a relationship. They came back week after week. And it was really cool having those sort of conversations. Um, now, I'm just too distracted right now because I noticed sitting there, you have a shirt on and this is completely unplanned, but we are wearing the same shirt. <laughs> Dude, great minds think alike. I kept seeing the little tiny blue circle pop above the screen from time to time. And I'm like, I was not even thinking of the interview. This is a Stand to Reason shirt from the Rethink conferences that Stand to Reason does. Um, 
obviously Tim is there awesome. all the time. I spoke at it in September here in Southern California. I was not even planning it when I put my shirt on and you're talking and I'm like, I can't get this out of my mind. I'm too distracted. But you, you make it look good, my friend. You make it look good. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. So this is what our goal is, right? It is our goal is to be prepared. So when they come, you know, uh, even the comment came in, Michael Edwards said, you know, our good friend, Mike Winger, both of us know him well. Uh, he has a great video on this topic as well. And so yeah. I'll, I'll even post that. Um, great content yeah. that's out there. Yeah. You know what, Ryan, um, Mike has some, uh, multiple videos at dealing with Jehovah's witnesses. I think last time I talked to him, his most popular video over a million views. Yep. Okay. It's like 1.1 million views and it's a Jehovah's witness video. Yeah. So people, this is the sad part. I mean, I, I, I can, I speak on this issue and, uh, and I've done a lot of writing on it, but nobody, I have not once besides my own church been invited to speak on witnessing to Jehovah's Witnesses. But I actually think that this is this is the play, people are running to the internet because someone knocked on their door and they're looking for answers. They're looking for ways to respond. So I kudos to you for, for doing this, because um, you're right, as soon as this coronavirus thing is, is over, they're gonna be out in full force, yep. okay? I mean, they're itching to get out. That's why they're dropping stuff off. Yeah. And um, and we gotta be ready. It's gonna be such a cool opportunity uh, for us as, as believers. Yeah, so I just pulled it up here really quick. Let's see if it shows up here on the screen. Yeah, so here's Mike Winger's channel. If you don't know who he is, he's awesome. Many of my, yeah. many of my subscribers came from him as I did a short little mistaken video with him. But yeah, here is his two top videos, or not two of his top videos, but two videos on Jehovah's Witnesses, 1 million views on their beliefs, practices, and errors, and 1.1 million views on what do I say when they come, oh, let's go over here, yeah, when they come to my door. Uh, so great videos, yeah. I'll post this in the, in the description below uh, as we jump into this. So uh, Tim, Sweet. maybe to start off, you know, talking about this idea of, you know, well, aren't they Christians? They believe in God, they believe in Jesus, why are we trying to evangelize to them? So what would we kind of say, some basic understandings of what Jehovah's Witnesses believe, um, maybe start with Jesus or God? Sh yeah, sure. Um, here's what you need to know, and I think it's sim similar with Mormonism and, and maybe some uh, other uh, cults, world religions. You have similar vocabulary, um, but you they're using a different dictionary. Okay, so maybe you've you've used that expression or heard that expression. Um, so you're you know they're going to talk about Jesus and believing in Jesus. They're going to use words like faith and salvation. Um, they're going to use words like resurrection. Um, you know, and so even like we're we're into Easter weekend, right? And, um, you know, they, so you would have a discussion with them and, and yet you'd find out that, well, yes, Jesus died, but not on a cross. He died on a torture stake yeah. and he, yeah, he rose again. Um, but not physically, he rose spiritually, um, not immaterially. Okay. And so, um, we got and we, and we can talk about what that means at spiritual resurrection because the, the Bible actually uses that kind of terminology. Yeah. But it doesn't mean what they think it means, okay? It doesn't mean non-physical. Um, and, uh, and so we have to be real clear. So let's start with Jesus. Jesus, um, to the Christian, is um, fully man and fully God, okay? Truly man and truly God. Yeah. Um, we believe that he is the creator. We believe that Jesus is Jehovah. And that is, by the way, my goal when they come to my door. We talk about all kinds of things, but um, I always try to bring it back to the main question, and that is, who is Jesus Christ? The Jehovah's Witness thinks that Jesus um, 
was the Archangel Michael, mm -hmm. okay, um, who was the first created being, and then th Jehovah, through Michael, creates everything else. And then at a point in time, Michael becomes a human being. And then um, now, named Jesus, and now Jesus is back to being Michael, is is resurrected um, and, and uh, has actually returned. And we can talk about that. The, the second coming has already come. Um, according to Jehovah's Witnesses in 1914. Um, and it was this uh, invisible um, coming, okay? Um, but uh, so so you have a completely different Jesus. Yep. He is not God. And that is, I mean, that is the, the big distinction between us. And so my goal is not to show that he's a man. I mean, we can look at all kinds of passages that show he was a man. Yeah. Um, my goal, because we agree on that, is to go to the next step and show... Jesus was not merely a man. He is actually God. He is yeah. Jehovah God. And if you can do it from their scriptures, which I think we can, um, then, man, we got we got uh, a good argument. Yeah. All right. So, Tim, I'm going to put you to the test here. I'm going okay. to I'm going to pull up their scriptures. Uh, let okay. me let me make sure I can get this uh, and then get you off to the side rather than me. Um, all right, here we go. So here's their scriptures. Here's the, um, the new world translation. So really quick, as we get sure. into this, do you maybe want to say something of, um, yeah. what is the new world translation? Yeah. So the, the new world translation is the translation that the Jehovah's witnesses use. Okay. And, um, it's their, it's their own translation. I don't consider it a legitimate translation. Okay. It is, it is a mistranslation. They are not trying to translate the words. Um, there is a theological, um, agenda. And we're going to see that. I can show you, take you to passages that are clearly misrepresented. They are not what the words of scripture actually say. They are in, they're inputting words so that you can't see that Jesus is Jehovah, that you can't see that Jesus is God. They hide, they hide it. Um, and I, so I think it's deceptive, uh, deception and, um, and they need to be called out on it. So, um, they have their New World Translation, but what you also need to know is they teach their own teaching, the Watchtower, which is the um, God's voice in this world. The, 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 they treat um, the Watchtower like it's a prophet, okay, the prophet yeah. of God. But it's not an individual, it's this organization. And so the Watchtower puts out their own translation of the Bible, but they also put out other literature, okay, like like this guy. Everybody, you know, they give out these millions of copies. This is... Uh, you got one. Yeah, yeah, you got yeah, the old, yeah. I got the got old the, one. You got the old guy. They haven't visited my house in a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I have both of them, and they're they're pretty much the same. It's just a nicer cover. Yeah. Um, what does the Bible really teach? You know, and and really, and then, in, really is in italics. Yeah. What does yeah. the Bible really, really teach? teach? You've been yeah. told something. Yeah. And then you have, uh, of course, you got the Watchtower magazine, Awake magazine, um, and and they'll tell you. I mean, you can read it in their own writing that if you were just to read the Bible for two years, you would likely go astray. Hmm. You need you need the Watchtower to guide you through the scriptures, yep. okay, to, to interpret the verses for you. By the way, that goes directly against 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, 
all scripture is read by God and profitable for teaching, correction, training in righteousness, not some added other thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, now it's true. There are some hard stuff in scripture. Yeah. Paul's writings of it. It's tricky. You know, even Peter said that. Yeah. Um, well, but, and don't they take that idea from um, now I'm completely blanking, but the Ethiopian eunuch. And, yeah, that's um, right. That's and right. it's like, how, how would I have known this if you didn't come and tell me what it, what it meant? Yeah. And, and so we so need someone take, to interpret it for us. They take that as prescriptive. Here's the thing, though. The Ethiopian, um, Philip leaves the Ethiopian and never sees him again. So this is a terrible example, right? <laughs> because the Watchtower doesn't just want you to read one magazine and say, okay, I'm good. Yeah. No, they want you to, they need, they say you need to keep this up forever. So this is a terrible example. Philip see, see, and then disappears and never saw him again. That's what the text says. Um, so you're right. They do use that as an example, but yeah. this is just another example of, um, a poor interpretation, trying to justify something that's just not in the text. Yeah. Okay. So that's just important to know is that they have their own translation. Yeah. There are some issues with it. So let's look at this here really quick. So from the, what does the Bible really teach the section on who is Jesus? Where does he come yeah. from? They're going to quote here, Colossians 1 15, uh, saying that right here, he is the image of the invisible God. Um, he is yeah. the firstborn of all creation. So they're going to stop right there and say, look, Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. Um, yeah. Therefore, he's a created being. I mean, even John 3, 16 says this, the only begotten son. Colossians yeah. 1, 16 also goes on to say this. Um, and so how do we understand this idea of who is yeah. Jesus? He's the firstborn. Okay, so... Um so there's a couple things going on there. Okay, so um, those would be separate arguments for the Jehovah's Witness, and this is actually exactly what they love to do. Okay, they love to say, "Look at here in Colossians 1:15, firstborn of all creation." Then hop over to John 3:16. He's called the begotten. Then hop over to Revelation, you know, 3:14. He's yeah. the beginning of creation. Hop over here, and now you're. I mean, this is why people get discouraged. It's like, oh my goodness, I can't even keep up with this. Yeah. Yeah. But what they're not doing is camping out on a text. The the Jehovah's Witness worst nightmare is that you stay put on a text and interpret it in its own context, okay? That's just the truth. Yeah. They, I I mean, these guys, it's like they're, they have an allergic reaction to it. I've sat on my couch for two hours at a time, week after week with some of these guys going through scripture, and th what they consider Bible study is opening the watchtower and reading, and then the watchtower puts in verse here, another verse in a different book, another verse in a different book, that's what they call Bible study. Yeah. No, that's not Bible study. Reading a letter that that Paul wrote, you know, that's Bible study. And so, you know, if I go over to Colossians, we can start at um, – I know you got it open there in the New World Translation. I also – I pulled um, it up in the ESV right now. So, you know, just to show – Oh, you show, do have it on there. Oh, yeah. perfect. Yeah, so you okay, also so, see – Right here, I think you can see the screen too. Just he's yeah, yeah, the image of the invisible Perfect. God, the firstborn of all creation. So our, okay, even our yeah. Bibles are saying the same thing there. That's right. And so the first thing to notice is the word "firstborn" um, is going to have a meaning. What they take the word to mean in the Greek, and I'm not a Greek scholar, okay? So I'm counting on some real smart guys in the in this world, in the Greek world, okay? And what they tell me, what they tell us, is that "firstborn" there does not mean first created or okay born first uh or, yeah or born first that's right um like physically yeah um what it what it and there's actually a different word for first created 
you know, um, what it means. And we're actually going to find out if you keep reading it. It means first in rank or preeminent one, this kind of idea. And so um, he is the image of the invisible God, which, by the way, is, I mean, that's a pretty profound statement. Yeah. He is the, the firstborn, and I, I'm going to argue that, that means first in rank or preeminence of all creation. He's not the firstborn of Jehovah, okay? He's like first in rank in all of creation. Yeah. For by and this now this is where you get we're describing who this person is, yeah. what he is like. For by him all things were created in heaven on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones, dominion, rulers, per, uh, authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And it says he is before all things and in him all things hold together. I mean, these are this is an incredible statement about Jesus. He is the creator of all things. By the way, I don't know if it's in your version. They used to say in theirs all other things. It, okay. So I'm on the, I'm on their website and, and they uh, changed it, didn't they? Well, no, I think the website still has it. Um, okay. Yeah, right here. So he's the firstborn of all creation because by him all other things were created in heaven and yeah, on earth, visible thing yeah. invisible. Um, and it gives all other things have been created through him. He is before all other things. So they keep adding the word other. Yeah. I'm pretty sure this, um, this silver, this new edition that I have, um, I remember reading through and I thought they took out the word other and I thought, Hey, that's interesting. Well, cause I thought I saw that. I thought I saw that somewhere too, but this is their Bible straight from their website. So maybe they're just getting, uh, you know, taking a while to update. I don't know. Is it still in your, your newer translation? You know what? No, the word other is still there okay. in this guy too. Okay, so um, they're, they're inputting, again, remember what I told you? The New World Translation, I think it's a mistranslation yeah. because what they do is they don't want, they're thinking, you know what? Our people might get confused if it says that he made all things. And, and that may that may have some people conclude that he is uncreated, like he like he is the uncreated creator, but that's Jehovah. So here's what we're going to do. Let's help these people out by adding the word other. Okay. So they get the idea. All other things were created through him. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. And then, but when we keep reading, he's the head of the body. The uh, He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And then it says, so that in, uh, so that he might become the one who is first in all things. Um, and then it goes, because God, and this is verse 19, yeah. God was pleased to have all the fullness to dwell in him. Okay. And so here you have this idea that the fullness of God is dwelling in this, in this individual. Now, is that, you, you still have, um, you still have the, and, uh, yeah, let's go back to that. And And each because, time it like messes the formatting but it's all right yeah right right here it's well because you don't again you don't see verse 19 for in him and the esv by the way is a very literal translation okay um and but still it's think it's readable and so for in him all the fullness of god all the fullness could you said all could just said the fullness but all the fullness of god was pleased to dwell okay and then, of course, if you were to go just one chapter over, I mean, we could we could keep reading, but if you were to go just to um, chapter two, verse nine, you end up seeing um, this same idea. I think it's chapter two, verse nine. Yeah. Um, right there in the middle. For in uh, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Right. It's just like it's like this. How 
this couldn't be any clearer. Yeah. But again, if you just pick a sentence fragment from Colossians 1.15 and say, I'm going to make firstborn mean first created, and then I might jump over to, you know, Proverbs or something, 8.22, they like to go and they like to try and make some of these connections. What I what I'd like to do is I, I take them to and I know um, I think I got this from Greg Kokel, you, you know, going to John one, John one to show that he is not just the creator of the creator of all other things. Yeah, he is the creator, period. Yeah. OK, so this is a great tactic as we kind of move in and, and trying to help you guys who are watching and listening uh, know kind of how to respond in these situations. Um, yeah. I don't know if this is kind of one of your go to's, but I know this is for me um, where I think this is powerful. And I did. I learned this from Greg Kokel, the founder of Stand a Reason. Um, and so this is a great way to kind of, again, focus on the importance of Jesus, right, is what we're yeah. trying to do. And yeah. and try to say, look, here's what's most important, Jesus, <laughs> right? And maybe we'll get to in this interview, because again, I think these are secondary things, but like, yeah. what about the 144,000? What about this? Sure. What about that? Like, there's all these things that you can so easily find yourself talking about 150 topics over the course of an hour. And you're like, yeah. Where did we even go in that conversation? What just happened? Yeah. yeah, and that's what you don't that's what you don't want. People yeah. you again, this goes back to your first question, you know, why don't we like to discuss? Because oftentimes we go in circles. We we think that and I've had this happen where I was spinning my wheels um and it was later on while I developed some tactics in dealing with these guys because I I found myself just you know, being so discouraged when they'd leave. They spent an hour with me or two hours with me. Why wasn't I able to accomplish more? And 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 um and so I had to go back to the drawing board. Yeah. Uh so if you went to John one one yeah, and we had that up. up on the screen. What do you want? Of course, Which translation we want. Here's well if you go to theirs, uh well leave ours up and I'll just so explain what theirs is. I actually like theirs almost better. I don't know. Maybe really? I you know, I just think it almost makes it sound so not sorry, not John one one. <laughs> yeah. John one yeah. three. Right. Sure. And so looking at John one three, theirs is, is very clear. So we'll get to that here in a second. Yeah. So John one one you can leave alone, um, because theirs is gonna be different. It's gonna say in the beginning was the word, the word was uh with God, and the word was a little g God. Yeah. Okay. And because they 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 don't want it to say that the word is um by uh, his very in his very nature. Jehovah, okay, um, deity, um, God, and so what they have to do is put little G God, and they do that because um, their their argument is, well, the word God there, Theos, doesn't have a definite article, article, and so if it doesn't have the ha Theos, if it doesn't have the definite article, we we are able to say it's a God. The problem is, if you were just to scroll down to, um, actually, you have it right there, John uh, one verse six. It says there came a man who was sent as a representative of God. You know what? Notice the capital G on the word God there. Let me scroll that up. If you, there. if you, if you go to the the Greek again, I'm not a scholar, but you anyone can see this. There is no definite article on the uh, on the word theos there. And so the the new the New World Translation again they're they're using their. Um, they're using their interpretive filter here in in um, picking what words they're going to use so that you don't come to the conclusion that Jesus is God. Yeah. So so they're going to put a capital G again. This is not consistent because they just said a second ago, if it's hot, they are, if it doesn't have the definite article, we're going to use little G. 
Well, you didn't do that in verse six and you don't do it in verse 12 and you don't do it in verse 13. Those are all times where there's no definite article, but you're using a capital G, right? Yeah. Um, so so uh, it's very interesting. Yeah, God's children there, and then in, uh, but from God. Over and over again in chapter one, there's no definite article. There's four times there that we just looked at, I think in verse 18 too. Um, and, and yet, only once do they only, do they only have the small g God. So, but I would leave that alone. Okay. Yeah. Cause they don't know Greek and you probably don't know it either. <laughs> um, so, but you, so, and you don't need, you don't need it to make the case. If you go to verse three, what you find is that the word is described as saying all things, I'll just read it from my ESV, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. Now what's interesting about this statement, and this is what Greg says, he says, okay, here's what you do with your JW friend, draw two circles, okay? And in one circle, you're gonna have the made things and in the other circle, you're gonna have the unmade things, made things, unmade things okay and so let's put a few things in okay what what's a made thing okay my desk is a made thing i'm a made thing you know this kind of thing and then uh in the unmade thing category well what goes there and your jehovah's witness friend is going to say well jehovah does yeah he is unmade okay great jehovah's in the unmade category and then you got all this other stuff angels and okay they're all in the made category and then you go to this passage and it says all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. And what you end up, what this ends up telling you is that Jesus cannot be one of the made things yeah. because he made everything in that circle. He made all the made things and you cannot make yourself. Yeah. That's a logical problem. Okay. He has to go in the made category, in the unmade category, um, which is the category that belongs to Jehovah alone. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, this is just a, a, a fun way. Again, you can use these leading kind of questions, and that's always better than just saying, "Here's what you should here's what you should believe." Yeah, here's where you're wrong. Just yeah, ask them, you know, about okay, what goes in this category? What goes in that category? Okay, if Jesus made everything that was made, yeah, and it doesn't seem logically possible to make yourself right. You'd have to exist already to make yourself. And there's a contradiction there. So where does he go? Yeah. Right. And just let the let the question sit there for a second. Yeah. And that's what I even find interesting here as we look at just this, even this first part of this, this verse is, is what we just showed in Colossians is that in Colossians 1, it adds the word other, right? He is the yeah. creator of all other things, all other things, all other things. But in John 1, 3, it does not add that word other. And it says, yeah. all things here in the New World Translation, all things came into existence through him. Apart from him, not even one thing came into existence. So yeah. not even, so, you know, and that's a question that I always want to ask him. I'm like, hold on, in your own translation, not even one thing came yeah. into existence apart from Jesus, but yet yeah. you believe Jesus came into existence. How does that make any sense? John 1, 3 in their own, you know, and so uh, that's, I think, a very powerful way to try to show this idea of the preeminence of Christ. Um, yeah. That's so good. Uh, it's good. That's good stuff, man. Yeah. Oh man, this is fun. I'm, I'm enjoying it. And some comments coming in saying this is interesting as well. So I'm glad they're enjoying it as well. Uh, so 
Can I, yeah. can I um, point out, I mean, there's so many ways, so many directions we could go that I would love to go. Yeah. If you were to go to second Peter, I just want to make a highlight to, cause we're on this topic of, you know, them changing their translation. Do you want to hide the new world? Um, you can go to either go to the new world. If you like, okay. um, second Peter, uh, just, uh, chapter one, verse one. I just want to highlight something. Okay, so there it is. Um, Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who uh, have acquired a faith, precious start. Okay, here we go. Through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So of our God and the Savior. You see what see what's going on there? It says, of our God and the Savior. That word the that they put in for Savior. Mm-hmm. That shouldn't that shouldn't belong there. When I read my ESV, um, it just says, "Of our God and Savior Jesus Christ." But when you, as soon as you put the word "the Savior," it almost sounds like there's two people. Yeah. Of our God and the Savior Jesus Christ. So you have you have a, our God and the Savior, like they're two different people. Okay. Now just watch this. Scroll down to verse eleven. Maybe it's ten or is it eleven? Um, you have here, uh, verse 11, um, entrance into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ. Now I want, I want to show you because all the only structural difference of those two sentences is the word Lord and God have been switched out. Theos for curios. Okay. Of our Lord instead of, of our God, but notice they didn't put the word the in there. Yeah. Why not? Well, because Jesus can be on their theology, Lord and Savior, mm-hmm. but he cannot be God and Savior. Yeah. So what do they do? They put the word the. And of course, most Jehovah's Witnesses are not going to um, know that that was inserted. And so what are they going to do? They're going to read Second Peter chapter 1, verse 1, and they're going to miss Peter outright saying that Jesus is our God and Savior. Yeah. Um, which is just, I mean, this is, this is why I say this is a mistranslation. They're, they're being deceptive in what they're doing. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe then kind of going into what is kind of the history of this translation? Where did it come from? Um, you know, why is it maybe this way? Yeah, I, I, and again, I don't claim to be a, Jehovah's Witness scholar or anything like that. Um, and so I don't know all the details. And in fact, there's some mystery about who the translators are of this of this book. In fact, you can you I've done a little bit of digging and I you can't find out who who are the scholars, so-called, you know, who are yeah. the experts who put this together? And and um, whereas if you were to open your ESV, there's a whole committee. There's all these people. People are named. Okay, you don't get that with the New World Translation. And of course, when you go back to the early versions, um, what you find is um, there's a very shady past. Okay, and there's people who claim to know Greek and claim to know Hebrew, but couldn't tell you the letters of the Greek alphabet. Okay, and so this is where um, this no one should trust this translation. I think we can use it to our advantage. But no one should be studying this book. Yeah. There are we have good translations. Yeah. And and again, like, that point is good is that we can use it because that's what they see as authoritative, 
right? So if yeah. you can point out like we have in their own version, John 1, 3 yeah. says that Jesus is the creator of all things and not even a single thing came into existence apart from him. Then that is powerful because yeah. that's what they see as authoritative. Um, and then they can't use that argument of, oh, well, that's a bad translation and that kind of stuff. And yeah. it kind of just removes that barrier. Now, I had always heard the story uh, that the New World Translation was translated by four individuals the three of which, um, and again, this is information that I'd studied when I was in the Dominican Republic years ago, but uh, three of which like didn't have high school degrees, one of which did graduate high school but never finished college, and afterwards he was actually put on trial, and they like asked him to read Greek or Hebrew, and he admitted that he couldn't, um, and supposedly these were the four individuals that translated uh, the New World Translation. Um, is there much credibility to that? Is that kind of the mystery yeah. that you've talked about? Yeah, that's that's a mystery. And I I mean, I read the same thing. And I just I mean, I couldn't find anywhere to like, you know, the the definitive evidence, not that it didn't happen. Yeah. But um, I just I couldn't find the, the sources on that. And I'm not saying they don't exist. Yeah, I'm just saying. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of stories like that. Yeah. And uh, apparently even a transcript. And I, I couldn't find the actual transcript of the guy admitting it. But anyways, um, yeah, funny in a enough, court of law. Yeah, funny enough, that's where my conversation with the Jehovah's Witnesses in the Dominican Republic stopped, is that after meeting probably seven or eight weeks and discussing a lot, I finally asked him, I said, you know, hey, how about this week? Let's, let's study where our Bibles came from. Um, I'll, I'll look at who translated my scripture. You look at, into who translated yours and we'll talk about it next week. And that was the last time they came back to my house. So I don't know if they found something they didn't like or, you know, who knows what, but it was interesting. Well, that, that was kind of the, the ending point. That's a good question. And, um, yeah, it, what I, what I realize is there are certain questions that I know if I ask it, it might be the cutoff to the, to the conversation. Um, and depending on who you're talking to. It turned out that the, the the couple guys that I've become friends with are pretty stubborn. And so they've let me say, um, and we've gotten to some heated conversations. Now, I typically don't get too heated, um, but my wife, who's putting the kids to bed right now, <laughs> um, she would sometimes be home and we would, you know, it would instead of being two on one. In fact, one time they brought three. It was a three on one. My my wife um, would sit down with us. She would get so worked up, though. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and so anyways, you have to, and I get it because these are our scriptures. It's weird when it's, you know, if you're talking with an atheist, it's different than when you're talking with someone who says they know God's word and here's what God is communicating from the Bible. And yet they're getting it totally wrong. Yeah. And, uh, and so anyways, um, different personalities right and and she uh so she didn't always join me because she knew she couldn't always take it <laughs> yeah no that's good um a question came in i see if you have uh, some thoughts on this um here from michael sure. edwards um why did watchtower make the jehovah's witnesses so what is kind of maybe the history of the jehovah's witnesses when did it start uh what is the purpose of creating this new religion yeah this is a good question i uh and I don't know if I'm actually prepared for it, but um, it started with uh, a guy named um, Charles Taze Russell. Um, and this would have been um, actually late uh, 19th century, um, early 20th century is where it really took off. Um, James, uh, I'm sorry, um, Charles Taze Russell ended up dying around uh, 1916, I think. Um, and, uh, and was taken over by a guy named, um, Joseph Rutherford and, and he became president and actually 
disavowed a number of things that Russell and Russell had some followers that were eventually, you know, called Russellites and they, they had some strange ideas themselves. And so it really didn't, I don't think solidify until you had, um, you had Joseph, uh, Rutherford, judge Rutherford, and he kind of, you know, established some certain doctrines. And of course this all, um, took place in, in Brooklyn is where, you know, the watchtower has got their main headquarters yep. and, uh, kind of their council. And you can actually go online and see who these people are. And, um, it's, it's, it's you know, fascinating how it started a very small group with a guy just, you know, having his own Bible study, essentially a pastor, pastor Russell, and diverting from a number of beliefs that Christians, uh, traditional Christian beliefs, and kind of starting his own thing. And uh, to this day, you know, I think in, uh, they claim in 2019 there was 20 million um, Jehovah's Witnesses. And so, uh, you know, it's really gr grown. They've done a, done a pretty good job, you know, evangelizing people, yeah. going door, door to door. Yeah, which which they think is is a biblical thing to do. Yeah, however, but you know, even the ideas, um, the foundations of their beliefs, Jesus being a created being, I mean, that's not a new thing of the 20th century. Yeah, right? of course, that's going to go way far back. So you know, it, you have a little this bit is of areas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's area. There's there's a lot of things that are picked up. There's nothing new under the sun, and so um, and so yeah, this uh, Unitarian view, you know that. Uh, uh, that that is um, that is so the Trinity. The Trinitarian view is that there is a single God, one being, three persons, and a Unitarian would say, well, no, there's single God, one being who ha is just one person, and so that would be the Jehovah Jehovah's Witness view, and and so again, this goes back to Arius and um, and who argued very similarly that there was a time when Jesus began essentially. And so he's not the uncreated creator. Of course that was condemned as a heresy. Yep. Um, and it's still, it still is heresy. Okay. Um, and that's why it's so important. I mean, we're not just talking about academics here when they come to my door door. It's not, I'm not trying just to spar with them. In fact, the reason I know anything about Jehovah's Witnesses is not because I just wanted to fill my head with knowledge of them. It was through conversations and caring about these people, and they would bring something up, and I would say, oh, I hadn't even thought of that. Okay, let me re let me study it, and then I'll see if I can bring you a, res a response. And that's how kind of all this happened. Um, so... Anyways. Yeah, I mean, I think that's so important to point out because, again, it's it's when we recognize the the fact that human beings are creating the image of God, that there is heaven and hell, that there's an eternal yeah. place with God, an eternal separation from Him, yeah. based on the person of Jesus Christ and us coming and reconciling, you know, Him reconciling that relationship and us turning from our sins and following Him. Uh, that if you're following a false Jesus, if you're following a false God, uh, there is eternal separation in that future. And for yeah. us to truly love and care about people, like this should break our hearts that there are so many people that are following a false view of who Jesus is, of who God is, and is going to end up leading them into eternal separation. Yeah, in, in one of the, in a very famous passage, John chapter eight, um, again, there's a, a fifth, John chapter eight, verse 58, um, is I think a knockdown argument for Jesus claiming to be 
the I am from the Old Testament. Yeah. Um, but in verse 24, I believe, yes, yeah, I think it's 24, it says, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Yeah. And that that I am he is ego I me um, in the Greek. And that that actually comes out of um, their, their like verse, okay? Um, Isaiah 43, verse 10. Isaiah 43, verse 10, I'll have to go to it. Um, It is, you know, this is where they get their name. They are Jehovah's Witnesses, right? And um, here it is. Isaiah 43, verse 10, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord. And of course, in their translation, the capital L-O-R-D, that's that's, um, Yahweh, okay? And so they're going to put Jehovah there which is interesting how they even got that name Jehovah we can talk about, declares Jehovah and my servant whom I have chosen. So they believe they are, they are God's servant mm-hmm. that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he ego. I me. And what's interesting in John chapter eight, verse 24, um, verse 28 and verse 58, you have these statements. Essentially you have that you, you must, you must believe that I am he or you will die in your sins. You must believe ego I me. You go to uh, uh, 28, it says that you must know that I am he. And then, of course, in John 8, 58, before Abraham was ego I me. So he uses that I am statement yeah. actually three times in one chapter. And it's not a coincidence that he says I am in in uh 58 and then they picked up stones to throw at him because and so because he was he was claiming himself to be the i am that isaiah was talking about this is this is you are my witnesses declares jehovah jehovah is the one that says you must know and believe and understand that ego i me and then jesus shows up and he says no you have to know and believe that ego i me that i am yeah and the only way this makes sense is if Jesus is Jehovah. Yeah. Otherwise, it is blasphemy, and they should have stoned him. Yeah. Well, and that's so good. And this is one thing that I did when I was in the Dominican Republic. So, you know, actually, you know, my ministry that I have, Coffee House Questions, is started in the Dominican Republic. We started a coffee house, and people would come in and ask questions. And you know, it was a questions night. Um, but you know, I always say the story of that most people, uh, you know, would not come in that night. It was not the most popular night when you compare that against free English classes and things like that. Um, so I would sit there and do some work, and there were Jehovah's Witnesses that would set up their stand, the same stands that you see here in the United States, right in front of the university that was across the street. And so one night I wrote up a document and it said, you know, it was like nine reasons why Jesus is Jehovah. And one of them is like his claims of deity. And then also in the Old Testament of, you know, um, uh, where it says, the Lord, you know, God, Jehovah says, I am the creator. I stretched out the heavens by myself. And then you see in yeah. the New Testament, Jesus created all things. And yeah. then God says, I will judge. And then Jesus is the judge. And so you see these things that only make sense if Jesus is Jehovah. And I gave him the piece of paper and said, hey, I've been doing some Bible study. And here's, you know, what I found. I'd be curious if you look this over with uh, for me. And if you... um if you disagree, show me where I went wrong. And they went, absolutely. They grabbed the paper, read the first line that said nine reasons why Jesus is Jehovah and gave the paper back and said, I'm not reading that. I'm not looking yeah. at it. And yeah. and here's one example of what we see in the Old Testament of claims of God, claims of the Lord. And then Jesus saying, look, that's me. Like that, And making that same claim uh, is yeah. one way to really show that. 
Yeah, you and I, for a li- for the listeners, don't be offended because they're trained not to take literature that's you know from someone else. Yeah. Um, and so you know I. They told me, I was reading through one of their magazines they gave me, and it said the Trinity was invented at the Council of Nicaea, okay? Now, this is total bunk. This is bogus. And so what I did was I ended up going online and just looking at these, you know, you can look at these old documents and quotes from the early church fathers, and I ended up coming up with like 11 pages of quotes in context that all, just looking at Jesus' deity, okay, and they all were quotes from these different people. I put it on, I think I ended up putting it on, on San Teresa's website. Um, and it's, and they all predated Council of Nicaea, okay? And these were all making claims that some of them were even stronger than John, you know? It's like, this is our God. This is the kind of like, my Lord and my God stuff, yeah. you know? Like from John uh, chapter 28, uh, is that, uh, yeah, 28 verse 20 classic text um where you have uh thomas saying my lord and my god by the way there is an example we talked earlier about no definite article when referring to jesus right you just had yeah. um theos not hotheos well when you when you look at um that particular text it has the definite article referred to um with, with theos referring to Jesus. Okay. And so there's a, there's one example of, of the definite article there. Yeah. So good. Well, a bunch of questions are coming in. I want to kind of touch on a few other things and we're already almost coming up on an hour. So maybe we'll do the speed round. Maybe you can either do speed round or we, you know, go a little bit longer if you have time. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah, we do. Um, anyways, so really quick before I kind of get into some of these questions, um, that are coming up in the live chat, um, I do want to look into, um, uh, the idea that you mentioned at the beginning of, of their their view of the Holy Spirit, right? So we, we've looked at their view of Jesus, which is what we are saying that maybe we should be focusing on when they come to our door, like forget about all these yeah. other things, focus on the person of Jesus. Jesus is most important. Help them see how Jesus is God. And we've done lots of different looking at Colossians and John in the Old Testament showing the claims that Jesus makes for himself. But also they're going to take away from the Trinity and that the spirit is not a person, uh, you know, three persons and one being the biblical view of the Trinity, but the spirit is simply just a force. Why, why this idea do they have? Why do they have this idea? Again, um, they, they have a Unitarian view. And so there can't be a, there can't be a person who is um, the son and there can't be a person who is the Holy spirit. And so, um, they have to ignore, I mean, just obvious examples of personhood being applied to the Holy Spirit, okay? And so what you end up seeing is if you look, I mean, and again, you don't have to look very hard, um, but you see the Holy Spirit has a will, the Holy Spirit speaks, the Holy Spirit teaches, the Holy Spirit has a mind, the Holy Spirit has emotions. I mean, there are all these characteristics that show that the Holy Spirit is a person. And then, I mean, that's the, that's kind of the harder part. Once you have a person, you can show that this is an eternal person or a divine person. And that's easy because it talks about the spirit of God, okay? Yeah. And, so, and so the harder part, and again, it's not that difficult to do, but the harder part is, is to show, or the time you should spend is showing that the spirit is a um, person. And so I'll just give you a couple quick verses um, that, uh, that may be helpful in that regard. So I would say, um, a, a good one is 
the Holy Spirit has a will, and that would be um, out of First uh, Corinthians chapter twelve, um, verse eleven, and this is talking about the Spirit giving spiritual gifts. Okay, and it basically says He gives gifts um, individually as He wills. That's what it says. And a force doesn't give something as He wills. Okay, um, that doesn't make any sense. A force doesn't make decisions, but people do. Um, you have uh, in John, uh, sorry, in in Romans eight, um, you have this idea of the Spirit interceding for us, which, by the way, I think is something a person does intercedes with yep. groanings too deep for words, yep. and He searches the heart and knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Wait a second, the mind of the Spirit? What's that about? Well, it's because the, the spirit has a mind and persons have minds. Uh, here's, here's one more for emotion. So we looked at will, we looked at, and you could give numerous examples, by the way, in, in these categories, but just to be quick, Holy Spirit has emotions. And I mean, the one I like, I like the best is, um, the, uh, um, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Hmm. How do you, I mean, how do you grieve? This is out of Ephesians chapter four, verse 30. How do you grieve um, an impersonal force? Yeah. I mean, it, how do you, it, that, doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. Now, I mean, adding to those, the fact that the Holy Spirit speaks, not God speaking, the Holy Spirit speaks. Um, this is what happens in Acts numerous times. And by the way, that makes sense because Jesus is the one in the Old Testament, the father kind of on the main stage. And then what you get is Jesus shows up, not to say that the others aren't there, but then Jesus shows up and he's kind of the main guy um, in the New Testament, uh, especially in the Gospels. And then you get to the book of Acts and the spirit takes over. Okay. And he becomes like the, the, the main guy. The, yeah. main, the main person. And so you end up seeing that's why that there's kind of a different time for each one. They all have different roles to play. And of course, when Jesus leaves, he says, I'm going to leave you the comforter. I'm going to leave you um, the spirit. Yeah. And the spirit does come. And and so, I mean, and their responses, I mean, they try to come back with, you know, well, how does a how does a how does a person fill you? Right. <laughs> like that's one of the things they've said, you know, they said to me. How does a, a force could could come over you, but how could a spirit fill you, a person fill you? And I mean, this is easily responded to. If they believe in demon possession, then those demons are, you know, fallen angels or whatever, and they're they're persons. Yeah. And they can be inside someone. Yeah. So I mean, this is even on our so on a biblical worldview, a person filling you is is not a problem. Um, you know, they try to say, well, these are just personifications. And that is just, I mean, that's true. Personifications exist in the Bible. Yeah. Wisdom is personified and so on. But these, when you read these accounts, the spirit is speaking and says, I mean, it's just, it, it's not, this is, the context isn't a personification. Yeah. The context shows this is, this is, um, uh, a real, a real person yeah. interacting. Yeah, yeah. And this is so. this is so much fun watching live tattoo. I'm I'm loving the com the comments that people are putting in because you know you know Michael writes you know hey we can grieve the Holy Spirit how can you grieve something if it's a force and then like you say it and it's like hey okay. we're all thinking the same thing but Jason also commented in you know something I was thinking as you're talking about that about you know that we can lie to the Holy Spirit 
you know, and that's, you know, Oh yeah. Yeah. That's it right there. And how can you, you can't lie to gravity. You can't lie. Yeah. You can't lie to a, a force. And so the fact that you can lie to the Holy spirit, and then even in Acts chapter five, it says you, you have, you have not lied to man, but you've lied to God. Right. So yeah. now there's going to be a claim that's that the it. Holy spirit is also God uh, pointing to not just a simple force. So one text there, yeah, Acts chapter 5, I mean, why did I miss that? Th and then you have personhood and deity back to back, right? So good. Yeah. All right, so let's jump through some of these comments that are coming in and questions for you. Um, sure. And so I uh, see where we're at. Um, so let's see. Uh, Jehovah. So you talked about the name here really quick. And so Daniel wrote in and said, you know, Jehovah is just Yahweh combined with Adonai uh, over time. So this idea, they say Jehovah is God's name. Yeah. Yet is that really what we see in scripture? Well, um, yeah. And, and uh, was it, you said David? Daniel. Was it that Daniel said, uh, and he's right. What happened was um, they end up taking Yahweh, the letters Y-H-W-H, -H, and oftentimes they would use the name. They didn't want to say Yahweh's name, so they would say Adonai in its place. Um, and they end up taking the vowels from Adonai, sticking them in between, and you end up getting... Um, I mean, if you change the Y to a J, and you end up you end up getting this idea of Yahovah or Jehovah. Yeah. And so you end up getting this name. So is it really his name? Um, not, I mean, not likely. Um, but uh, they make a really big deal about it. They, I mean, this is why you read through this Bible in the New Testament. The, the the name of Yahweh or Jehovah is not in the Greek manuscripts, but what they've done is they put Jehovah's name over and over again in the in the New Testament. And by the way, that's another way they cloud um, this idea of Jesus being divine. If you go to Romans chapter ten, and you get these famous words, you know, if if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And it talks about how there's one Lord and he's Lord over all, one curios. And then it quotes this passage. It says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But they put the name Jehovah in there. Hmm. So then it sounds like, okay, he's been talking about Jesus being Lord and then boom, throws in Jehovah. Well, no, Paul's argument there is that there is, you call on one Lord, that Lord is Jesus, he's Lord over all, and then he backs it up by saying, whoever calls upon the name of the Kyrios, same Lord, will be saved. Paul's making an argument there that Jesus is Jehovah. Yeah. He, that Lord is the Jehovah Lord. And, um, and they, ended up, they end up putting a word that doesn't belong there um, because Paul didn't write that word. He wrote Kyrios, not Jehovah. Yeah. And and so it, it ends up clouding it. Yeah. So good. All right. Next question that came in is, uh, do you have any examples of Jehovah's Witnesses converting from these encounters? My dad sent this one in. He's always, uh, it's always good for, he's always good for a couple of questions every live stream. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that, and that's a really good question. Um, I, I don't know for a fact that any of these people I've talked to have converted. Um, the, the main guys that I talk to are like the elders. Yeah. And they do about four. They told me forty hours a week of um, of evangelism, of door to door stuff. Like that's their full time jobs. Yeah. Um, they're both retired guys um, in their sixties, and uh, and so 
and they and I had to work my way up to them, by the way. Yeah. Um, so I got younger people, and then when I was asking them questions, it was like, oh, we'll bring these other. And then finally, I got to these guys are the head guys. They're the ones who are, um, you know, preaching, um, on on uh Sunday morning. Yeah. At their kingdom hall. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and I think you know, and obviously, my, my interactions with Jehovah's Witnesses are less than Mormons, and so you know, my understanding uh, or my response to this comes from Mormons. But you know, I've I've heard lots of stats of Mormons that get sent out as eighteen-year-old you know guys um, and spend two years going door to door. Um, that that there are examples of them talking with enough Christians while on their mission that after they get done with their mission, they actually leave Mormonism, and and actually some have converted to Christianity. And so, you know, I, I, I know that's true of Mormons. Surely yeah. it's got to be true of Jehovah's Witnesses in the same thing. But again, I yeah, I want to just stress that, like, look, if people are willing to talk to us, we should be willing to talk to them. And, and yeah. you shouldn't be like, oh, well, you haven't converted after three times. And so I'm done with you. Like, yeah. hey, if they want to have this conversation, as long as we can continue sowing into them sharing the gospel, I think that we should be having these conversations. And and people who are involved in cult, I mean, it's a it's a harder thing. And you'd know talking with Mormons there in Jehovah's Witnesses, there's the idea of being disfellowshipped um, when you convert and and disowned by your family. And there's a number of um, reasons, uh, other reasons why they'd want to stay in in the Watchtower in Jehovah in Jehovah's Witnesses. So I have heard, by the way, and this just occurred to me, I do get messages from people I don't really know personally, but they're on Facebook or whatever. And they say that, you know, I came across your stuff and they're, they're no longer Jehovah's witnesses. Now I don't claim that it was my stuff that got them out of it. Um, but it certainly, you know, it played a role. And so I think that any conversation you have can play a role. Um, there are gardeners and there's harvesters and people who follow standard reason will know the, the illustration there, but Jesus used it. There's yeah. sowers and reapers and Jesus in John chapter four, he told the people, he, to, he, he told his disciples, look at, and there was, you know, the people were coming out to them. He said, you are going to harvest where you didn't garden. Yeah. You're going to reap where you didn't sow. And, uh, and someone else did all the, all the, the sowing. Okay. And so it could be that I'll garden a couple and do some gardening and they end up going to someone else's house and they end up giving their lives to Christ. Yeah. The true Christ. Yeah. And, uh, and so, and we're just called to be faithful. It's the Holy spirit that moves and works in right. people. And we're called to be faithful in that. Now, uh, a question I feel like we have to answer before we end is this idea of Jehovah's witnesses, not celebrating birthdays. They don't celebrate <laughs> holidays. They don't give or receive blood. And so this actually came in on Instagram as well as it's written here by Kenya. Um, you know, yeah. so where in the Bible do they get this idea of not celebrating holidays or giving, receiving blood? Yeah. So, uh, the, the birthdays, um, for that, they'll usually go to texts like, um, uh, you know, Pharaoh, um, jo Joseph was in prison. Pharaoh's having a birthday. And of course he interprets the dream and the cupbearer, he ends up, uh, who is it? The baker loses his head, right? And so they associate, it's kind of a guilt by association. The times where the Bible talks about birthdays are usually in some kind of negative. It's usually, uh, it's Herod, you know, and John the Baptist loses his head or it's, it's Pharaoh and the, um, the, the baker loses his head. Um, so th there really isn't a good argument. It's just uh, look at these examples of birthdays. It's these pagans. It's these you know evil people. Therefore, birthdays must be bad. Yeah. Um, that's that's not a good argument. Okay. Yeah. Maybe the people were bad. 
doesn't mean the day is bad. It doesn't mean the celebration is bad. Um, again, this is kind of a guilt by association thing going on. And uh, by the way, when Pharaoh killed the baker, he also, he let the cupbearer go. So, I mean, if you're, what's good for the goose is, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're going to go one way, you could say, well, something good happened also. So yeah. it works the other way. Um, f- the point is they're both fallacious. You can't you, you can't use it as a good argument. Um, and so that's the birthday thing. The the Christmas thing so is. Is it okay can, if I can, ce- can I celebrate your birthday this year? We can, please we can do. do. You can <laughs> buy right. me anything you want. You can buy me anything you want. Um, and then of course, I mean, they love to throw the word pagan around. Yeah. Okay. When you read their stuff, maybe not in person. Um, but when you talk, when you read their literature about the Trinity, it's pagan Christmas, it's pagan Easter, it's pagan, the, the cross it's pagan. It's, you know, all this stuff. Um, you mentioned blood transfusions. Yeah. The yeah. watchtower currently has been a little bit more lenient, but there was a time when, uh, vaccinations were considered, um, a disfellowship of, of offense. Is that still true? Uh, vaccinations? No. Because that came, that question came in of like, uh, uh, here it is right there. Would Jehovah's Witnesses refuse a vaccination against COVID-19 or social distance? Yeah. So there was a time when they would, and they actually changed. They uh, This was a number of years ago. They changed their stance on that. Okay. They also wouldn't do organ transplants, yep. and they changed their uh, stance on that. Interesting. What's so sad is many, there's been, thousands of people who have lost their lives. I was talking with a doctor who told me that a man refused to get a blood transfusion and he would easily saved his own life, hmm. but he was a Jehovah's witness. He refused to have it done and he died. Um, I think needlessly, foolishly. Yeah. Um, th- they think that, uh, the argument is it's kind of like eating blood. It's kind of, um, when Noah gets off the ark, uh, Genesis chapter nine, um, and it says you can't, you know, eat anything with the the blood still in it. This idea, they consider a transfusion of blood into your system to be equivalent to eating blood. Hmm. This to me, this is not a good argument. Okay, that's not the same thing as digesting blood. Okay, yeah. is having to put in your system from another human being to save your life. Yeah, um, this is. Uh, I think it's it's very it's very silly, very foolish, and it's costing human life. Yeah, awesome. Well, Tim, I've kept you way past your time. Uh, or, I, or, I mean, <laughs> I, I like the combo, man. If you want to keep going, we can. Uh, my wife hasn't come down to bug me yet, so uh, <laughs> so maybe she fell asleep up there. Yeah, uh, it's getting dinner time here. I'm I'm starting yeah. to get a little hungry. It's six thirty, six forty five in California. No, uh, but again, just to kind of close this up, you know, and just sure. kind of reflect on maybe a lot that was said is, you know, this idea, you know. Um, emphasizing that when they come to your door, right? There's so many things that we can talk about. Um, yeah. And, you know, a helpful tactic is, you know, even Greg talks about this in Tactics of Steamroller, you know, someone who sometimes just keeps, you know, either is plowing over you with, I think even, even sometimes their their attitude or sometimes Jehovah's Witnesses can just roll over you with so many verses and so many topics that, you know, yeah. it's, sometimes it's important to kind of set that parameter and like, hey, this week, especially if you're meeting week to week, this week, we're just gonna talk about this. Yeah. And then when they go to another topic, hold on, Hold on, we haven't figured this out. Like, let's come back here. We'll talk about that later. Let's figure this out first. Yeah. Um. Any other quick final tactics uh, in response? Yeah. So, yeah, you're you're right on. This is something I kind of learned the hard way. Um. I, man, I wish I had someone who told me these things. Yeah. Okay. Because it was something I learned over time. A lot of discouragement. But the first thing, set the terms 
okay, what is the one issue we're going to focus on? My advice is make it Jesus. Yeah. But, you know, if you want to talk about soul sleep or you want to talk about, you know, physical resurrection versus spiritual, I mean, I've had some of those conversations. Torture and they're, I think versus they're, cross. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you could, So th those can be fruitful because um, you may plant a seed of doubt um, in their interpretation and that might get them to question the watchtower, which I think is huge. Yeah. Okay. Don't, I mean, I don't come out full guns blazing, attacking the watchtower because they will take offense and they may not come, they may not come back. Yeah. But if you can ask questions about, well, did you know the watchtower, you know, changed his view on the cross? I mean, they used to use a cross on the cover of the watchtower. Hmm. And, and so here's, and so if this is supposed to be the prophet of God, you know, these, again, these are just questions. <laughs> it's a prophet of God. Don't prophets, they don't, they don't make these kinds of mistakes, right? You know, they used to say that Jesus was worshipped by the um, angels, and then they changed that, and they made it obeisance. What's up with that? I think because they realized that if Jesus is receiving uh, worship from angels, um, this is Hebrews chapter uh, 1, let, let the angels worship him, this kind of idea. They, well, they had to change their interpretation. Yeah. So, okay, set, set the terms. What I do— Again, this is this is you're playing the long game. So the first thing I did was I said, "Can I have your phone number?" So because I want to know, no surprises. I want to know when you're showing up at my door. Because that's another thing: the fear of them just showing up on a Saturday morning. Um, I get that. That's real. It's like, oh man, I hope they don't show up. It's ten o'clock. They usually come by around this time. <laughs> I'm not ready for them. Yeah. So I said, "Look it, you text me first. Do not knock on my door." Um, especially when my wife's here by herself, you know, I travel a lot, just guys set it up with me when I'm home. It might be a Monday, Tuesday, whatever. I'll give you the, I'll give you two hours, you know, but you just got to text me first. Yeah. And then they always let me decide what we're going to talk about. It was great. And so I picked the topic and then, okay, so set the terms of the topic, then stay on the topic. When they show up, make sure they agree. Okay. That's what we're talking about. Cause what's going to happen is they're going to jump away from it real quick and they're going to want to talk about this and that and the other thing. Don't let them do it. Stay on the topic. It's the most difficult thing to do. But my advice is if you're going to talk about something, pick a chapter or a passage. Make sure you go through it and study it so they understand what it's about. Um, and then, of course, slow them right down. They're, one of their tactics is that they use speed to turn you, you know, into that pretzel. And so make sure you're constantly, okay, what do you mean by that? And how did you, okay, go back and okay, repeat this again. And can you read that? And then and sometimes you're going to be reading passages and then they'll read the same passage, you know, this kind of thing. Just slow it right down. Don't let them pile verses up on top of your head. Yep. Okay. The Bible is on our side, but when you, you can make the Bible say all kinds of things when you're jumping all over the place, yeah. you know? Um, and so at standard reason, we talk about never read a Bible verse. We, we, what we mean by that is you're going to read all the verses, the, get the context, yep. understand where it's coming from. So th that would be like yeah. my main, you know, being tactical is so important with these guys. Yeah. And, uh, and it will lead to a fruitful conversation. Maybe not them, you know, confessing Christ as, as Lord and God, like in your living room, maybe, but probably not. But at least you give them a stone in the shoe, something to think about. Yeah. And, uh, and maybe that eventually, because you're, you're right. Jehovah's Witnesses do deconvert. They do become Christians. Yeah. I have some that are on my Facebook that grew up Jehovah's Witness. Now they're believers. Yeah. So they've, they've come to the truth. Wonderful advice, and I expect no less from Stand to Reason. You this week, John Noyes, your 
wonderful friend and coworker yeah. there, colleague. He was on last week. And so I uh, just appreciate the work you guys are doing. And again, uh, can you give a quick little uh, comment on some of the work that Standard Reason is doing, what they can find at str.org and the videos that you guys are producing that, that people can check in on? Definitely. Um, so I'm a speaker apologist with Stand to Reason. Um, we train Christians. That's our main thrust. That's our main focus. And so we have um, blogs that go out every you know, every other day. Um, we have podcasts. People can go to iTunes and search Stand to Reason, and they'll get Greg Kokel, my boss's podcast, Alan Schleeman's podcast. We have a YouTube channel, STR Videos, hundreds of videos on there. Some are short, some are long. Um, right now, we're doing some online live stuff, and so we're actually going through a, a book that um, is such an important book. And I'm not just saying that because it's written by my boss, but we're doing a book club on the book Tactics, there you go. That's the 10th anniversary right there. Yep. And uh, we're we're doing, um, it's Alan Schleeman, my colleague, and uh, Jonathan Noyes, and myself, three chapters at a time, and we're going to go through it in about six weeks. Cool. So we've got five weeks left. People can ask questions. We're just, we're not reading the book to uh, like on air. We're just um, pre-reading it and then talking about stuff we like, stuff we don't like, you know, this kind of thing. Yeah. Most of the stuff we like. Are, are um, you allowed to not like stuff when your boss wrote it? Well, we're hoping, yeah, we're hoping Greg's not watching. Um, I mean, like I said, most of it we use. There's a couple things that maybe theological differences yeah. or whatever that we may just highlight. I mean, that's what I love about Standard Reason. There is such a diversity of views, even on staff. You know, you'll have Calvinists, you'll have non-Calvinists, you'll have, you know, like the whole. And so, and and we're all brothers and sisters yeah. in Christ. It's a wonderful, wonderful environment. Awesome. So you have... Um, you got the, and then you got random lives that we're doing. You know, um, Jonathan did one the other day about his favorite resources. Yeah. So if people go to the Facebook or and our I know YouTube Danielle channel, did one today or is doing, or maybe tomorrow on, yeah. on parenting and homeschooling. Homeschooling. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, this is like you said at the beginning here, we're not able to go out and speak. Yeah. And so we're, everyone's adapting. Yeah. And, you know, you've been kind of living in this world. Um, for a while now. And so the rest of us are trying to get caught up, you know, and figuring out how do you yeah. do any of this, yeah. you know, and, you know, we're buying mics and we're buying, you yeah. know, webcams and we're trying to, we're trying to, uh, still impact the church, tra train Christians, but in ways that we haven't done yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah, well, I appreciate it, and I asked John what uh, he had to say about you last week uh, that you were coming on, and he said that you know that you were gonna, you're awesome, and uh, that it was gonna be a good show, and it definitely was, and I had a lot of fun. So, Tim, I really appreciate it. I know it's late there, but thank you so much for taking the time and uh, discussing this issue with me. And I know there's a lot of comments that came in, and people really appreciate it. So, thank you. Cool, man. It's always great talking with Absolutely. you. Absolutely. And for the rest of you, as you guys are watching, thank you so much for joining in this week. Again, next week, there's going to be two live streams next week. On uh, Tuesday, is going to be Natasha Crane on talking with your kids about Jesus and training our children, smaller children with apologetics. And then on Thursday with Tyler Ellis, uh, he had interviewed and had lots of discussions with skeptics, and we're going to be talking about that as well. So as always, uh, subscribe on and follow on social media where you can ask questions and see what's coming up as well as subscribe for all the future videos. So with that, I'm be off. See you guys. Have a wonderful uh, rest of your week, a great weekend. Happy Easter weekend as well. Uh, enjoy and celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is, again, who we are focusing on here. So see you guys next week with more. Thank you so much for watching.
Follow your love will guide me.